Our first scripture reading this morning is from uh, John chapter 1. That's on page 886 of the Red Pew Bible. And we're going to start at verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. This is the word of God. The second reading will be from uh, John 14, 15 through 21, and that is actually on page 901. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am the I and the Father, and you that I am in my Father, and I and you are. Boy, that is. Uh, let me start that verse over again. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandment. And keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. It's the word of God. Thanks be to God. Wow, if you still have that open, I just invite you to keep your finger in that or keep your page on your phone open to that scripture. If you don't have it open and you have your bulletin nearby... um, Our memory verse for today is from that scripture, and it's printed for you at the bottom of the page. We're going to get a chance to wrap our lips around um, what um, Bobby just uh, read for us. Would um, Would you read our memory verse with me? Here, we'll read this carefully. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me. And I in you. John fourteen nineteen through 20. If you're visiting with us and wonder why we read the scripture address afterwards, we want to just lock God's word in our heart, don't we? And, uh, and trust that in the right moment, maybe one of those storms, maybe one of those moments where you're not sure what the future holds, that word will come back to you. Such a great word, isn't it? Because I live you also will live. I'm in my Father, 
And you are in me, and I am in you. Oh, my God bless to our understanding, his holy word. I love this story for myriad reasons. Um, if you are just if you are just starting out and want to to um, say where can I go in the Bible to get a, a, a very real picture of who Jesus is, I can't recommend a, a better book to start with. All of God's Word has has blessing for you, but I can't think of a better place to go than to this gospel, this gospel of John, because John, above all things, loved. Jesus, and he looked at life through that lens, right? Through the lens of love, even when, when uh, exiled, even when, when struggling, he was able to see God's sovereign hand in his life. And so I just love it. I love that gospel. There's so many passages in that that have ministered to me, especially from chapter 14, which we'll turn to in a moment. But but let's pick up the story here at the very beginning of this gospel, right? God has sent a forerunner of Jesus, the Messiah, to prepare people for. Do you remember that? John the Baptist came preaching that the kingdom of God is near and preaching a baptism for the repentance of sins. Basically, preparing people for the coming of the Messiah. And where we picked up the story today was right after Jesus had come. Jesus one day showed up where John was preparing people to meet him and, and, and asked that John baptize him. And the phenomenal sequence of events in that, in that story, Jesus, who knew no sin, was baptized as one of us. And God revealed his glory in the baptism and the Holy Spirit was visibly seen. And, and Jesus' ministry was inaugurated. But we pick up the story with what happens, the, I think it's the next day. See, John, John had such a passion for Jesus that people who, who had passion were drawn to him. And, and, and it's a whole premise of our whole series that, that when you live that good and beautiful life, people who want the good and beautiful life will draw near to you because they want it for themselves. And so there was quite a following for John the Baptist. And, and, and but John, in his humility, right? I, I love John. He's the one in, in John 3.30 who said, he must increase, right? Don't worry that Jesus is getting more attention than me because that's why it's supposed to be. He must increase, help me, and I must decrease, right? And so he had prepared his disciples, but when, when Jesus actually showed up, they were wanting to be with him. He pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, that amazing word, right? Look, look you there. Behold, the Lamb of God. This is the Messiah. Well, two, two of those disciples immediately began to follow Jesus. They, they left John, who they're so comfortable with, and they began to follow Jesus. And did you, did you see what happened? I mean, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. All of a sudden, there's a couple people just kind of following you, right? And you're getting a little creeped out, you know? And, and you're going, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? 
Jesus asked a more pointed question. And, and it's a really good question for us today. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? Now, ostensibly, ostensibly, they were seeking to follow him. Ostensibly, they were seeking that good and, and beautiful life. And something about Jesus just drew them to him. But it's really a much deeper question because most of us spend our lives, do we not, seeking things other than God, right? Seeking things other than a good and beautiful life. And, and so Jesus called them out. And, and in a sense, he's calling us out today and asking us the same thing. What are you seeking? And there's so many things, right? I'm seeking financial security. I'm seeking someone to love me. I'm, I'm, I'm seeking relief from this terrible burden that I'm carrying. I'm seeking, I can't even put it to words, Jesus. I'm seeking you. I'm seeking God. None of those things came to the disciples' minds. And if you've ever been called out like that, it might have happened to you as well. What they said was, where are you staying, Jesus? Where are you staying, and um, Jesus said some powerful words, very simple words. Might be the only words some of you need to hear today. He said, come and see. Come and see. So I want to invite you today to come and take a look at Jesus. To hear his words and, and to allow him, if possible, to speak directly to each of our situations. To trust that he who created us and formed us and knows us is going to be able to speak clearly into those things. Pray with me, would you? Oh, God, I'm so conscious of how helpless I am to communicate anything, God. But if it's possible, would you allow me somehow, like John, this morning to, to point to you, to be able to communicate to my precious brothers and sisters, behold, the Lamb of God. God, I'm going to believe that if we're able to do that, if we're able to see in Jesus the sacrifice of God, that you will provide for us exactly what we need. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, uh, most of us, like the disciples, would probably struggle with um, the question that Jesus asked, with this question, what are you seeking? We, like Solomon, try to satisfy ourselves with pleasures, with indulgences, with possessions, even with wisdom and sometimes intellectual knowledge. But um, we find that they can't satisfy, right? As Pastor Bill and at least one famous musician would say, we can't get no satisfaction. I'm never going to let him forget that until he buys me lunch. I want to suggest to you... Um, that one, one way, one way to answer that question is to go back to the beginning, to recognize that God created beautiful people in his own image. And he created a beautiful world. And, and at each stage of the creation, he declared it good. And when he was finished, 
He declared it what? Very good, right? Yeah, we messed it up. We took solace in lesser things and we found them empty. But deep inside, I'm, I'm believing because I've come to that place in my life where I'm recognizing that what I sense, most other people are sensing as well. Deep inside, there's this inner witness still. That longing for something greater, something deeper, something, something more, right? I think that's what those two disciples were trying to articulate. I think that we, like them, know that what we are experiencing is not what we were meant for. Can I say that again? What we are experiencing is not what we were meant for. So maybe, just maybe, what we are longing for is what we were created for. I know that went by fast. What we're experiencing is not what we're meant for. So maybe that little witness, that little voice, that hunger within you, that longing is what we were created for. And for the next few weeks, we're going we're to call that longing the good and beautiful life. I think that those two, initially in John, but he was, he was quite the character. Um, John had a temper uh, and then in Jesus, they saw maybe, possibly someone who could lead them to that good and beautiful life. Well, what do you think of when, when you think of the word life, what comes to mind, right? Um, probably for most of us, many of us, immediately we think of physical life because we're constantly being confronted with the fragility of of, of this physical life, we get sick. We feel pain. People that we care about, um, their bodies give out and we feel so helpless. But, but that's the thing that comes to mind, the pulse of our heart. I asked Dave to do that drumbeat earlier in that song as we were uh, singing, I'm forgiven because of the, the drumbeat of our heart. Um, drives our physical life. The, the um, New Testament had a word for that. The Greek word for that is one you're very familiar with. You might not know it. It's the word bios, right? And all kinds of words are probably coming to your mind right now. The one that usually comes to my mind is the word biology or a word, a logos, about bios, right? The study of life. But that, that's the study of physical life. Our physical life is the medium through which we impact the world. Do you remember that? When he studied our bodies and our souls and our spirits, our physical life is the medium through which we impact the world. But there's another kind of life that the Bible talks about. And it's going to be a little difficult for us because our minds jump to something else when we hear the word. But I'm going to call it the soul life. But the Greek word for it is suche, from which we get the word psyche, or the logos about psyche, or psychology, right? And as we've seen before, it involves the mind, yes, but it also involves the, the emotions, and both of those counsel, the one in the center, 
the will, right? So, so there is a soul life that God created you to have. And in the absence of anything else, many people resonate with this. They are soul brothers, our soul sisters. They recognize someone else's soul. And it's a beautiful thing. It should be. Because God created that soul. There's not a soul that you lay eyes on that's not important to God, right? And so, so there's a soul life that's important as well. And our soul life is the medium through which we, we relate to other people. And that's why that soul can be crushed. That soul can be damaged. That soul can be wounded. And we need a healer of souls. We need, we need Jesus to, to go back into our mind, into our emotions, into our wills. I'm so excited about the To Be Told conference. That's what we're doing. Going a little deeper into the brokenness of our souls. But the, the great news and the astounding news to our culture is that there is yet another life, right? There is another life that's critically important. It's our spiritual life. Do you remember when Nicodemus encountered Jesus in this gospel, John 3? It's amazing how many times we refer back to this gospel. But he was trying to come, in a way, do what the two disciples were doing um, as, as a religious leader, he saw in Jesus' life and, and he couldn't account for it. And, and so he came by night because he was too proud and, and, and he said, just, I just know God is moving in you. You wouldn't be able to do or say the things you say if God wasn't moving. And, and Jesus said, you must be born again, right? And, and, and he says, unless a person is born of water or physical birth and of the Spirit, right? You can have no part with God. It, so, so Jesus introduced this idea that, that there is a spiritual life, that the reason we haven't missed it is because it's been dead in us, but that it can come alive again. By faith in Jesus Christ, this part of our life, which, which was dead... Uh, my, my faith says because of Adam and Eve's sin, but even if it hadn't been for their sin, my own sin would be enough to kill it. Um, this part of our life which is dead can be made alive again. And, and why is that important? Because our spiritual life is that part of our life through which we relate to God. Not just the idea of God, not the practice of religion, but the, the person of God. Our spiritual life is that way through which we um, relate to God. No, all three, our physical life, our soul life, our spiritual life, make us who we are and are interconnected. And you cannot divorce one from another, right? All three make us who we are and either consecrate or desecrate who we were created to be and the life that was given to us, the good and beautiful life. And don't hear, what I'm not saying, don't hear in that word desecrate, a word of condemnation. That's what sin does, right? That's what sin does. The world and your own flesh The Apostle Paul would say in Ephesians 2, and the evil one all conspire to desecrate what God wants to consecrate. You, body, soul, and spirit. And and 
And so God is inviting us to say, let's, let's choose consecration instead. Um, it helps me. I'm a visual person, so it kind of helps me um, to um, picture something if, if I actually see it. And so I um, took no expense. I withheld no expense. I went to great lengths to create for you an illustration of the life that, isn't it beautiful? I had to hold down the shift key to make sure it was a perfect circle, but, um, but in a sense, that's what you were created for. I love weddings because in weddings we give these symbols, don't we, of our love and they are, are circles made of what's most precious to us without beginning or end. They are whole. And, and in two dimensions, a circle, or in three dimensions, a sphere is such a beautiful symbol of that. And, and, and I want to just set that as our, our goal is that kind of integrity, that kind of wholeness. For, for me, it's a symbol of the good and beautiful life. And the Hebrews had a word for that. If I could borrow their word for a second, the word for the good and beautiful life was a word that you know, but you might not have ever plumbed the depths of. The word is the word shalom, right? Have you heard that word before? Shalom. Some of us are singing little children's jingles in our head uh, from, from that word. And, and we know that shalom means peace, but shalom doesn't just mean peace. Many of us seek it just so that the conflict can stop. But God wants so much more. He doesn't just want peace. He wants wholeness. He wants a good and beautiful and unbroken life of integrity in the image of God and according to the will of God and in fulfillment of the promises of God. That's what He desires for you. And it encompasses our bodies, souls, and spirits. Yes. Through what happened in the garden, they were broken. And the spiritual part died. But I'm trusting that what's stirring in your soul is that faint echo of that created glory. That faint, distant echo of, of the beauty of creation. The glory. The goodness of who God created you to be. So... The result of the fall is that we who were intended to be one and whole, our physical and volitional and spiritual lives are now separated. If I can go to the next slide, um, um, you know, it looks different for all of us, but things that were intended to be unified um, are, 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 are broken apart. And if I had had better... Uh, illustration skills, I would have broken some of the circles as well. But, but I visualize this fragmentation like this. Now instead of one physical, psychological, and spiritual unity, we got three. And like Humpty Dumpty, we can't put them back together again, right? So we settle for something less. We settle for partial healing in maybe one area or two. And, and, and we think, well, at least that's better than I was before. We find ourselves looking for physical wholeness or psychological wholeness or even spiritual wholeness apart from all the other things. And, and we wonder, why is it that even with physical healing now, 
I'm not experiencing shalom. Why is it that now that I have forgiven that person, I am not experiencing shalom? Why is it that after praying a prayer and and committing my life to Christ, I'm still not experiencing that shalom? Why? Why is it? Like the two disciples in John 1, we look for someone to show us a point of reference in the storm of life by which we can begin to reorient ourselves a, a, a true north, a, a, a center point. We look for some point of reference by which we can reorient our lives. And, and I chose not a plus sign, but a cross, because that's where many of us have found our true north. It makes no sense, doesn't it? That something so terrible as, as a, uh, a murder of an individual could be the focal point of change that brings wholeness physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But that's, that's the astounding truth of the Word of God. If we can make the cross, if we can make Jesus our center point, and begin to move those different um, domains of our life, the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual, back to be centered on Him. Maybe, just maybe, we can find help in our time of need. So where do we go? Who is it that exemplifies such a life as this? Well, most of us look to, to uh, family members or Parents, and, and praise God, that is God's gift to us, to put those people in our life so that we might have some point of reference. But the reality for many of us is that, is that when they fell short of that glory, when they failed us, we stopped trusting in them. And, and we decided, I'm going to trust in this one instead. I'm going to trust only in myself. And then guess what? We fell short. And we failed even ourselves. And, and, and we gave up even trusting in ourselves. I love that passage in, in Romans 7. The Apostle Paul says, Who will save me from this body of death? He wasn't complaining about the people that were chucking him out of windows and, and beating him with 39 lashes. He was more worried about this one that had ultimately failed him. Who will save me? And, and in Romans 8, 1, he comes to the conclusion, Praise be to God for Jesus Christ, help me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Others like the woman at the well, guess what? In the Gospel of John, chapter 4, find solace in saying, you know, you know, one day, I can't, I can't figure this out, but one day our Messiah will come and He will tell us all things. And Jesus says to us what He said to the woman, I who speak to you am He. Again, in John 10.10, 10, I am come. I know it's awkward, but that's the way He said it. I am come that you might have life and have it to the full, to have it Abundantly. In other words, Jesus came that you might have this good and beautiful life. That's why the two disciples were drawn to him. They were asking who can show us this beautiful life. John the Baptist couldn't. They couldn't find it in themselves. Like light shining in the darkness, John pointed them to Jesus. Let me ask you, remember I asked you, what are you seeking 
What do you see when you see Jesus? Many, many see the life of virtue. They see the fruit of the Spirit in him, a life of not only holiness and set-apartness, but also holiness, W-H-O-L-I, wholeness, which exemplifies the good and beautiful life. Others see a revolutionary and an activist sacrificing even his own desires, even his life, to impact the world for good. Still others see a leader of a movement, of a community of people who planted seeds of love for 2,000 years, and as a result, there are over 2 billion people today that would call themselves followers of Christ. Many would see in Jesus someone who exemplified life to them. But Jesus didn't just come to exemplify life, right? Jesus came to give life. He came to give life. As John would write in in John 1 again, that great Christmas passage, in him was life, right? And that life was the light of men. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So Jesus came that we might have a good and beautiful life, but that life is found in Jesus. In Jesus. I love John 14. I have to confess, I use it oftentimes at funerals because it has so such a powerful testimony of the hope that we have. You remember John 14, there's passages in it like, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me, in my Father's house. It's just beautiful stuff, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I and the Father are one. Just astounding, astounding passages in John chapter 14. Let me share one more with you because it's one of my favorites. Peace, I leave with you. There's that shalom word. Not, excuse me, my shalom I give to you. Not like the world's peace do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid, right? These beautiful passages. But look, tucked in there is this weird little passage. It's it's couched in imagery that that speaks to my heart. Uh, I just had a chance to go through a triad again where we looked at how we're adopted in Jesus and in God the Father. And 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 Jesus says, I will not leave you in verse in verse uh, 18 as orphans. I will come to you. Yet, in a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. And then here's this strange little verse that we have trouble wrapping our lips around. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me. And I am in you. Jesus is introducing to us an amazing concept. And the concept is this. That 
Jesus is in. Remember this many years ago? Hope I got these in the right order. Jesus is in God, right? But in Christ, only if your name is Dave. No. No. In Christ. You know what's so beautiful about, remember this is, um, who is it? Bill and Annabelle Gillum. The sweet, sweet couple. They probably have passed away by now because they were old when they first um, shared that imagery with us 20 years ago or more. I love the imagery so much. It speaks to me like the psalmist. I'm going to hide myself in God. And, and excuse me, in Christ. And, and Christ says, I hide myself in God the Father. In other words, if someone wants to get to you, if the world or your own flesh or the evil one wants to get to you, what do they have to get through first? Right? And, and, are you ready for this? Because by faith in Christ, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, He comes to live in you, right? The Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, is in you. Even, and He does, if God for a season removes the visible cover of your Savior and your Father from you, even if for some sovereign reason he does that, no one can ever take that away. If you're looking at your notes, you're going, we're never going to make it. And you're right. So I'm going to stop right there. It's the first time it's ever happened. Don't get used to it. Okay? Because maybe, just maybe, what you need to do is not get more information. This concept of being in Christ is rich. It's rich. But maybe what you need to do is to experience it. Because I'm guessing that you are just like me and you're crying out for someone who understands, someone who can stop the physical, emotional, Spiritual even pain and emptiness. He's here. Right now. It's not symbolized in a piece of paper or in an envelope. Not even. I mean, this is just a way for us to understand it. But he's spiritually present in this room right now. And one way we can symbolize our trust in him is, is to... Take up his invitation to partake of his body and his blood and receive physically what he's asking us to receive physically, emotionally, and spiritually. To open our lives again to God through Jesus Christ. To hear him say to us, My peace I give to you. Not like the world gives. But my peace, my shalom, my wholeness, I give to you. 
Over the coming weeks, we're going to explore how that life in Christ comes together. Next week, Dave is going to help us with one of the elements. And the week when I, the following week, I will take us back and pick up the rest of these notes. But I want to ask you to physically respond. If you have come to that place where you, like the two disciples, have come to find that your only hope for a good and beautiful life is in Christ, then show it today by receiving his invitation to his table. This is Christ's table. It's for all those who have come to that place where they've said, I'm helpless without you, Jesus. I need you. And for your baptized children, by faith come and receive the grace of God, physically present, spiritually present, excuse me, in these elements. This is simple bread. This is simple grape juice. Um, but Christ is in them by faith. So I invite you to come. Well, servers, please come forward. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, this night, by the way, that we have been talking about all day, John 13 through 17 is an incredible sequence of events that all happened on the night in which Jesus was betrayed. They were sharing the Passover meal, that reminder that God has a solution, that help is on the way. They were sharing that meal and Jesus fulfilled it right there in their presence. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Come and see. The same way after supper, he took the cup. And he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. New covenant. What happened to the old one? We broke it. We broke it. And he paid the price. He took the punishment, as Isaiah would say, that was for us upon himself, right? And by, help me, by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. Do this, he said, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul So this is the first baby step. When you do this in obedience, right? Whoever loves me obeys my commandments. When you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So come to the table of the Lord. We're going to receive the elements today by intention, which means simply that uh, the first elder will will allow you to, to take the bread. I think it's already broken for you. And, uh, and then the second elder will hold the cup and, and you can dip that bread in the cup. This is grape juice, not wine. Um, and so we ask that you not take the cup and drink from the cup directly, but that you just dip the bread in there and then partake of it. We're going to um, invite you to come forward, but if there are some of you who um, that would not be a wise idea, um, we, would, we have a couple elders waiting in the back who would love to bring the elements to you. But I ask you today to respond to Jesus' words to you through those two disciples. Come, see for yourself.